Coming Up Next Time podcast is brought to you in part by Built to Ride. Head over to builttoride.ca and pick up some coffee or apparel. Use the exclusive listener code COMEUP when you check out for an additional 20% off your order. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Barrymore. So this week, we just wrapped up our final race with the Second Gear Club at the Whispering Pines for the Ghost Hair Scramble. Holy crow, that was an insane event. Hats off to everyone who made it. I unfortunately busted the handlebars off of my motorcycle, so it was good fun all around. Now, for this week, I have a very special guest. He's got a name you might not recognize, but I'm sure sooner or later you will. As a young guy, I think 15 or 16, he took part in Romaniacs in the Silver Edition. Now he's racing gold. He's on the roof of Africa, Erzberg, all kinds of stuff. Like, he's an up-and-coming guy. Uh, really good fellow from South Africa. Coming up next, this is Matt Green. Start off. Uh, I'll get you to introduce yourself. Perfect. All right, go ahead. Knock knock. Knock knock. Okay, yeah. yeah so I'm, how's it? I'm Matthew Green. I'm from South Africa and uh, been racing hard enduro for the last couple of years and uh, pretty much getting into it now. Trying to trying to do my my best to get some results. Nice. You um you just got off the podium this weekend, didn't you? Yeah, I was so stoked. I couldn't believe it. Um, we've been I'm with an Italian team here and we've been doing the Italian extremes. And they're actually really competitive. Uh, a lot of the guys come out and do them. They put on a good event. And this weekend, I managed to to get a podium. It was so hot. And it was really, really tough. And, yeah, I was stoked to to get a podium, especially at this one, because it was a pretty big one. Yeah, uh, you're racing in, in Italy. Uh, what was the name of that, that race? You went up against Billy that Bolton. One was, it was uh, Wildwoods Extreme. Okay. Um, Alfredo was there. And uh, Mark Walkner was there. And, you know, a couple of the other, other guys. But... The Italians are really good riders and they've got such good terrain and stuff. So a lot of the guys come out and do some training in Italy. And then they, since they're here, they just do the Italian extremes. Yeah, the, the Italians have a pretty good reputation for trials and enduro. Um, yeah, yeah, there's so many. It was actually at a trials park. Pretty good place. Really good track. I was stoked. Nice. So what got you interested in, in hard enduro? Well, I've been riding in Jura for, for quite a long time. I live on a farm here there in South Africa, so um, we've sort of been riding bikes since I was, I think my dad got me my first bike when I was like three, and I started riding when I was four. Um, so that's why I wasn't really down the motocross route. So the motocross kids are normally quite pushed from when they're young, and, and you know they're on the fastest bikes, and it's very highly competitive in that. But I was always just cruising around the farm with my mates and my neighbors, and and we actually went to, to a fun ride. We thought it was a fun ride and it was a race. And I did that and like did a last minute entry. I think it must have been in a clubman class or something. And uh turned out pretty good. Like I had lots of fun. So we went to the next one and and just carried on from there. And I more enjoyed the, the slower speed stuff, uh, especially because of the danger sort of. I don't know. I get a bit scared of the, the sort of flat out racing Um and I was doing quite well at hard enduro, so that's you know, pretty much how I got into it. Nice. Uh, you've, you've done the roof of Africa, have you not? Yeah, yeah. I've done it three times now, yeah. That's a pretty grueling race. It's a, it's over a couple of <laughs> days, correct? Yeah, it's the one in, it's in Lesotho, which is inside of South Africa. Nice. Yeah, um, I guess, is there is there a huge hard enduro scene in South Africa? I mean... You guys have a lot of uh, names coming out, like Wade Young, for example. Uh, yeah, like the scene's, it's not as big as Europe, but like the scene has way bigger. But the the quality of riders that come out of South Africa is pretty incredible because, I mean, one of the years, I think it was 2017 or 2018 at Romaniacs, it was like five guys in the top 10 from South Africa. And the, yeah. the guys are, I just, honestly just think it's the South African sort of spirit and the, the guys are, are strong there. They, they push hard and... Yeah, I mean, it's a lot bigger in Italy. The teams are bigger. Everything's bigger in Europe. No, for sure. Only Italy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't know why the riders are so good out of South Africa. Everyone always says, oh, you're South African. Of course, you're going to do well or whatever. Like, But the guys, yeah, they, they push hard. Eh? Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's just the, uh, the the African spirit. Like, you guys live in, in yeah. 
maybe some hard country. So uh, if you quit, yeah, you're screwed. The guys are tough. Yeah, I really do think it's got quite a bit of a quite a bit of a role that plays with them. The South African guys, they they're strong and they they can dig deep. Yeah. Normally a, a little, I'd like to say a bit deeper than the other guys, and so it definitely shows with the results sometimes. Is it um, primarily like rural communities in South Africa? Like you're all farm boys kind of thing? <laughs> no, not at all. I know um, Johannesburg is like a metropolitan, but... Um, yeah, so there's there's some big cities and definitely it's pretty... Oh, it's up to standard with uh, with the rest of the countries around the world. But I think there's, well, there's a lot of like rural places, rural lands in South Africa, which is good for, for us to ride because we can just go... I mean, we ride from our house. Um, everyone rides from their house and we all meet in the bush and go riding. There's no sort of police that control anything. or So that's quite cool. But there's big cities in Durban and where I live in Peter Marisburg is a big city. And yeah, it's it's not as established as like where I'm here in Milan. Yeah. Obviously, it's not, there's not as many people but and the buildings aren't as old, but there's still, still a lot going on. I've oh. just uh, grown up on a farm. My dad's a farmer. So, but I'm the only one out of us that grew up on a farm. I'm just wondering, because locally it's the farm kids that uh, tend to get the extra seat time. So they, and and they, they have to work a little harder around the house. So the, <laughs> they typically have that extra level of dig that uh, yeah. gets them through the crutch. Yeah. I can't say I've been, I've had to work a bit harder than, than my mates. Uh, living on a farm is a really good lifestyle. Definitely just being out there, but. It's yeah, it's sick. I love it. So you've been you've been to um, Romaniacs uh, at least once, correct? Yeah, I've done it twice. Twice now. Uh, and the first yeah. time was I think your your bronze class or, or trying to get into silver. gold class. Silver yeah. class. Okay. First one was silver. Um, I was pretty young then. I was I think I was fifteen when I went. Yeah, that's crazy. Might have just been turning sixteen. So yeah. <laughs> that's. <laughs> and I was really small. Yeah. Like, I was always a. Uh, one of the shortest in the classes and stuff. So when I went to Romaniacs, even doing silver class, I had pretty big eyes and didn't really know what to expect, but it was a good experience. My favorite race, definitely. Yeah. And you're, you're training for that right now, I guess to go. Yeah. So we've been quite busy recently. We had the Aberstone first round of the world championship two weekends ago. Mm-hmm. And then we went and did this. We literally got home. I did one day riding, one day testing something. And then went straight to this wild woods now in Italy. So we've been busy, but I guess you're always sort of preparing for a maniac. So I'm actually going off tomorrow with Manny. He's coming to fetch me and we're going to go do two days of riding um, at Michael Bossi's house. He's the guy who organized Everstone. So yep. yeah, it's, there's really good riding there. Pretty similar to Romani, Romaniacs. Nice. And yeah, excited. Manny Lettenbickler. Like, that's crazy. Uh, he's yeah. a legend here, so... Uh, he's, a oh, he's a good guy. Yeah. Are you, are you, are you prepared for the crazy that, that he can deliver? <laughs> oh, many. Nah, he's, nah, he's chilled. Eh? Yeah. We do. Um, we've done quite a bit of riding together here in Italy. I've, we've, I've been lucky because, uh, all the guys come out and, and ride in Italy is really good riding here. So like I was saying, so I did quite a bit of riding with Manny and Billy in the beginning of the year, beginning of the season. I mean, and, uh, yeah, I've been managed, managed to, to get some good time with it. Good guy, good friend of mine. Nice, that's amazing. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I, I had um, uh, Sandra Gomez on a little while ago, uh, okay. Alfredo's sister, and yeah, uh, yeah she was like, uh, she holds Manny in, in, in pretty high regard. He, he's her yeah. favorite racer or rider right now. So, oh, he's yeah. a. I don't think anyone can say anything bad about him. He's a good guy. Yeah, and man. He's an incredible, incredible rider. Eh? He's an all-around athlete. I enjoy following him on on Instagram. Yo, I was actually cycling with him the other day in uh, at Leo Gang. Uh, just after the World Cup, he was doing a thing there at Red Bull, and I went to check out some of my mates there. So we met up and went riding, and he's so good on a bicycle. Like, re- I honestly think if he wasn't doing motorbikes, he'd be going down the bicycle route because on the downhill bike, he was just making me and Travis look silly. I mean, it was our first time in a bike park in a while. And on, and Manny's obviously, obviously ridden there quite a few times, but... Yeah, no, he's he's sick on a bicycle, and Billy actually, they they both good. Yeah, they're fun to like. Yeah, they busted out the the bikes this year, um, Instagram wise anyway. And uh, Manny does this amazing, he does this crazy jump, and when he lands, it's like his back tire sort of flexes, and then he keeps going. And I was just like, I thought it, <laughs> I thought it was gonna be like you know a fail video, 
but yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they, but he, he's pretty dull though. Man, he's sponsored by Wati and Billy's now with Santa Cruz. They living the dream, man. Honestly, for me, that would be so sick to get a basketball sponsor because we've uh, actually spent quite a bit of time this year at the Bark Parks. Well, not a couple of weeks at the Bark Parks, and it's such a such a good time. Like probably the most fun I can have, I think, is going to a Bark Park. We were in Morsi and just before. The World Cup downhill race. I uh, went to go check one of my mates, and um, all the South Africans were together. The guys that raced the downhill, and we had the most fun. We went there like I had my motorbike in the van, and and I even packed spare tires just in case. Like I wore out tires. I didn't even offload my bike. I couldn't believe it. I was like really planning to do some motorbike riding, but I didn't even get to it because we just rode bicycles so much. Do you, Do you find there's a, a lot of transfer? of skills from bicycle to uh to the bike yeah i never really thought but after like spending some time in morzine we rode some really crazy stuff and after like i was speaking to greg who we were with who we were with and um he's like yeah you'll see now just like see if you can feel a difference and i do think there is there's it's so common like if you go from a motorbike onto a bicycle, you're pretty sorted on a bicycle. And I think it's the same. You know, you got the skills sort of built in anything on two wheels. So it definitely transfers. But I don't know how much. I think if you spend a week on your motorbike or a week on your bicycle, you're going to definitely improve more on your motorbike. Okay. Um, yeah. I guess similar body position, uh, like balance and things of those nature. Yeah, I think just once you got that balance on, on yeah. a bicycle or motorbike, you're pretty kitted with both. There you go. So uh, I want to go back to being a 15 year old getting into Romaniacs just, just <laughs> before we get too far. Uh, Cause we're, that was a good sidebar, but uh, like what, like Carl's diner, like the boulders are the same size as you, man. Like what did you? <laughs> yeah, no. Well, when I was 15, um, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure I was 16. I was 2018. So oh, sorry. That's earth. But yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I was 16. Oh. So going to Romaniacs, I was like, didn't really know what to expect. Hadn't ever been overseas before. Um, managed to get a, a bike from Husqvarna, South Africa. They organized me just a standard bike. So I went over with my, my mom and dad. Um, my dad was able to get up, away from the farm. So that was pretty cool. And yeah, sort of went out. Didn't really know what, to, what I was doing in like, as in racing overseas. And didn't really know anyone except the South Africans. But had a good time, a really good time. And in the prologue, the street race. I was actually going qualified quite far back, I think like fourth row, twentieth or around about there. And then in the street race I was just going, doing my laps, doing my laps, like crowd going crazy, never seen things like this before. And I ended up on the podium and I was so stoked. <laughs> and uh yeah, I'll, yeah, they were even they were surprised. They they didn't want to give me the bottle of champagne because they I think they could see how young I was. Um yeah, so that's <laughs> all for the photos and like uh, yeah, it was really mind blown there, but carried on with the race. Uh, it was a pretty tough year. The first day it rained so much, and I was quite because I was quite a uh, little bit smaller, just trying to push my bike around. I was riding a one fifty at home because we have to the rules you have to be eighteen. I never understood it, but uh, was on a two fifty at Romaniacs. Okay, two fifty two stroke. So the bike was a bit heavier and wasn't quite used to it as much as I should have been, but. Yeah, first day was a bit of an eye-opener. Uh, I started first on the road, and um, we had a 10-hour day. I think my time was 10 hours, 30 minutes, and I was the last finisher, and I was in sixth position. Like It, it was a really, really tough day because it just rained the whole day. So, yeah. yeah. After there, because everyone else got so many penalties for not making it to the finish, um, I had quite a few battles throughout the rest of the week, but I finished up in sixth. I didn't miss any checkpoints and. And all of that, so I was pretty stoked. Uh, had a good time. I'd say sixth place is a pretty decent finish for a fifteen-year-old. Yeah, I was, yeah, for me, I was really happy. Eh? Like uh, the guy Dieter Rudolph, he won that year, and I mean, he's a multiple Erzberg finisher. And the guys I raced against, they were they were really good. So I was happy. First experience for me, it was just like the goal was just to finish, and the result didn't really matter. And yeah, to pull up a sixth, I was everyone was happy. I was happy. Yeah, and then you went and did it a second time. Yeah, so then I went back in 2019. Um, I actually managed to have four races overseas. I managed to get some help from the factory Husqvarna team. The guy Andy, because he always sent the boys over to do the Roof of Africa, uh, Billy and Alfredo and Graham. So I'd met Andy a couple times because I would pit with him at the roof. 
being on the factory team in South Africa. And he, I spoke to him and he sorted me out with a bike. So um, I had a factory bike for that year at, at uh, the Maniacs. And that was a yeah, pretty cool, cool experience. I did gold and I managed to finish gold, kept it clean, no, no major issues and got through all the checkpoints. Yeah. That's so, so good. 15th that year. Sounds pretty stick. 15th. That's, that's amazing too, man. Like yeah. 15th in gold is like, yeah. <laughs> then again, I was just trying to go there to finish because <laughs> Romaniac's gold is no joke. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I understand Romaniac's just finishing is, is like, that's the goal of most riders. And some of them happen to be on the podium, but like, yeah. <laughs> you know, when they let set out in the morning, it's like, I want to finish. Yeah. So. It's pretty brutal. Then the guys know what to do. Um, that's I was actually then in more of the cycling is Mark Skinner. He's one of the guys who sets the routes and yep. he's really well known for setting the hardest day. Yeah. He's a savage when he gets down to that. Yeah. They often, it's crazy in Romania. I think cause how the country is, I don't really know how it all worked, but there's a lot of abandoned buildings and like a lot of rundown areas, but you'll be riding in the forest. Next thing you'll pop out like, and you're in this massive factory. That's, that's obviously hasn't been going for 50 years. And there's just like all photographers everywhere. And it's like, okay, and you ride up this thing. And then at the end of the race, that's all they show is the footage from inside this factory. Like, it's yeah. so strange. Oh, it's because it's where they have access. Media are pretty lazy. They don't want to go in the <laughs> woods if they don't have to. Maybe yeah, it must be. Yeah. yeah. Road access is the ideal for them, I think. And then they yeah. get as many shots as possible. Yeah. But then again, at the same time in Romania, you'll be scrumming, not a sound. Like you can't hear anything. You think you're alone. And you'll just check somewhere parking in the bush, taking photos of you or like, you oh. the media guys do get, especially like that guy, Mark Skinnegan, he's in charge now of the uh, media on the bike. So they know where to go. Yeah. Um, and they're one of the top guys and see the top guys like five times throughout the day. So it's pretty cool. That's cool. Uh, so with your, your good luck here, uh, getting all the factory spot or support, um, not being yeah. a factory rider, I guess your factory, yeah, like, are you a factory rider or are you just like a, an associate kind of rider? So back then, that was in 2019. Yeah, because I was in I was in a South African factory team. So okay, okay. South Af- like the official Husqvarna team of South Africa. Yeah, and I was by no means a factory rider in internationally, but the guy Andy, I think Andy's the manager of the factory team, and he they have like mechanic box, which is basically the a replica of the factory bikes, I think just maybe it's a practice bike or they just use it for spares and stuff. And Andy said like, we can help you out. You know, like I think, uh, I was sort of good, good friends with Andy. I met him a couple of times and he said, yeah. yeah, you can see like I need some help. So yeah, he helped me out. I was, I was really, really kind of them. It was a favor more than anything, just to sort of, I think, get me on my feet a bit. And yeah, it's quite hard for us Africans to, to go overseas into Europe. You know, it's so, we don't, from South Africa, it's so expensive if you want to set yourself up properly. So we need people like that to help us. Yeah. So I was really grateful for, for them to do that. Um, but now I'm not associated with Husqvarna or, or them at all. Okay. They're just being kind. Yeah. That's pretty. Yeah, like they were a, just being kind. It was yeah. it was really, really kind of them. I guess uh, they had seen me at the roof and maybe well, I had some potential or something. Yeah. And they said, yeah, let's, let's help this kid out. But yeah, I'm still good friends with Andy. He's super, super nice guy. Yeah. My expectation would be that they, they're investing in you. You're being groomed to become a factory rider. Like, Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause all the, all the write-ups that, that I've written or read, um, speak very highly of your potential and, uh, end of your future. So, yeah. you know, like, uh, uh, I'm hoping I'm still waiting for the, for those, those write-ups to come true. Eh? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's, at least people aren't writing in the other direction, right? You know, this kid's, yeah. Is, yeah. yeah I'm trying it. Yeah. Trying is all you can do, buddy. Like get, get your leg over the machine, get to the race, get a result. You know, if you keep yeah. finding yourself on the podium and all you wanted to do was finish the race, you're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, oh, I had a good, I have a good time, man. Honestly, like, yeah, you, yeah, flip. Just going at it and really having a good time while doing it. We, the guys you meet here and just, yeah, everything they, that we get up to is so sick. I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you get to ride with uh, some pretty crazy talent uh, like Billy yeah. and, and Le- Manny Graham, uh, all those guys, just competition side, like uh, following their lines or whatever. That's got to be pretty amazing. Yeah, that's the thing with being in Europe. Like, we always came from South Africa. 
um, came to the race and went back to South Africa because it's just so expensive for us to, to try and live here. Yeah. But I've been lucky enough to, to be picked up by a really awesome team, uh, Italian team, and uh, they've managed, they've allowed me to not do that and to actually stay in Europe and stay with them. And uh, because I can do that, I can do things like I'm doing tomorrow is go with Manny and do some training with the top guys and just riding at such a high level with those guys just it has to rub off on you. You know, you, you got to, you got to raise your game and I think it's the only way to, to sort of get to the next level. Yeah. They say riding with better riders is the, the gateway to success. Like, yeah, well you can see with Manny and Billy, they honestly hang out together all the time and just ride together all the time. And it's quite clear how there's a reason why those two are at such a different level at the moment with, with some, some aspects. Yeah. They seem to be pushing each other. Hey, like a little bit yeah. of a game of one upmanship. Like, uh, <laughs> I think they're pretty good, pretty good friends. You know, get on wall and, they're both such good guys. Uh, it's cool that they can do that. They're lucky that they got, they can, they're able to, to feed off each other and learn from each other. What's your training regimen, I guess, for, for Romaniacs? Like, uh, oh, we've been like just trying to get as many long days in as, as we can. You know, you got all the other races we do, are like Aberstone, Hard Enduro, that was my time was two hours 50, but Romaniacs, you do five days of six to eight hours. So you got to try and prepare your body for that. And, just it's it's crazy how how much if you're not prepared for that things like your hands if your hands aren't hard enough then you get blisters and then if you had blisters on the first day you got another three days of riding with sore hands so just putting in the long the long days and trying to ride as much sort of romaniac style riding i guess as mm. you can yeah abstone um, um any any highlights from that event yeah, for me it was like uh, just the the venue. It was it's a brand new race. I've never ran an event there, like to a World Series event there, and just the setup there is so sick. It's a ski resort, and they've got some bicycle trails there as well, and ski lifts everywhere. So when we'd go and walk the track, we actually all took our bicycles and caught the ski lift up to the top, and then cruised down your bicycle to all the spectator points and managed to get some some sick riding in. And just like my mom actually flew out from South Africa for the first time this year. To, to come in and help me a bit. Um, she was able to come in. I think just as a spectator also, it was such a cool venue. Like, they really... And the spectators, I think there was 6,000 or something. Spectators just jam-packed on the mountain. It was so sick. Um, there's some one crazy photo that someone actually sent me the other day. I just posted it on my Instagram. Yeah, where's Waldo Abstone? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there you can just see how, how insane that is with all the spectators. And so we went up that rock section. It was called Michele's Minestrone, which is uh, Michele Bossi is the guy who set the event. And in Italian, Minestrone means soup. So it's a sort of imitator of Carl's Diner. It's like Michele's soup. And, and yeah, when you first walked that, I was like, this is going to be insane. But by the time we got there, the guys had packed quite a good line and we managed to, I think I got up and got up in like 10 minutes or, well, nine minutes, but uh, just all the you couldn't actually stop because the spectators were just going crazy. Eh? Um, yeah, so it like <laughs> was insane. Something I haven't really experienced. I was going to ask, what, what's the impact for you? Like with uh, thousands of people screaming and cheering as you uh, are yeah, doing well, your thing. Normally, normally they're not really cheering for me. You know, they're normally cheering for the guy in front or behind me because no one really knows who I am. But fortunately, I've done a couple of Italian extremes, and I think maybe because of the, the guys have sort of recognized me from the previous ones, but the Italians were, they seemed to know my name and it was so cool. And it's something, yeah, it's uh, it just gets you so pumped. Eh? Yeah. Like you see the guys going crazy and just their energy and you're like, well, flip, I can't stop now, you know, Better no. carry on going. <laughs> That's awesome. Kind of like a weird pressure, like uh, to perform. Yeah, no, I was, it's sick. I definitely think it has an impact. I like, you like sure. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you, have you done any of the arena cross kind of stuff? Oh, I was actually going to go do the the Super Enduro World Championship this year um, before it got, got canceled and postponed yeah. to next year. But, yeah, I'm pretty bummed out because I'm a junior. I've still got, I think, two more years in the junior class now. So that would be pretty cool, cool to go out and have a shot at people sort of in my age, age group and see how that goes. Yeah. I guess you're always racing against older guys. Like, because uh, how, how old are you? Like 22, 20? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm 19. 19. Oh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I guess, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that's what I, 
I sort of forget that, you know, when I'm racing, like my mom always says to me, you know, remember Matty, you're still 19. She's not me saying it when I'm saying, yeah, I'm going out to do this or I'll see you later tomorrow. And she's like, just remember you're 19. You still look after yourself, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I sometimes forget that when competing against all the, the top guys, like, you know, Alfredo and then they're not 19, they're 25 plus seven. Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah. Some of the guys are 46. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Graham's really old, but the rest of the guys are not that old. No, he's not that old, no. No, no he's pretty old for, for a Joe Rada, I'd say he's pretty old. Yeah, yeah. Oh, heck yeah, man. We're, he, he and I are the same <laughs> age, so I don't know how the hell he does it. Because, like, yeah, I, go no one does. I race for a weekend, and uh, it takes me a couple of days to recover. And <laughs> he has to, like, he does it a lot harder than I do. So. I don't know how he does it. I don't think it's sort of a, like a glitch in the matrix or something. Yes. How he just keeps going. Eh? Yeah. He's the energizer buddy of bunny of Enduro. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe on the track. Well, you should have seen him at, uh, at XR Lagares. I promise you, Graham was stole the show there because everyone was like, you know, we are just racing Enduro cross now. They scrapped the main event and the rivers. And, you know, of course more suited to Billy and those guys like, the younger guys that are doing super enduro and Graham, I got a pretty good start the one lap or the one race. And, and like on the second lap, Graham came past me in the rocks. He like jumped and like banged into me. And I looked over and I was like, is that Billy like lapping me? And then I saw this Graham and I couldn't believe the whole, he like hopped over a jump, got on the, on the gas and just roosted me and like, elbow down legs out. He was just going full send. I couldn't believe him. <laughs> Everyone was shocked. Oh, oh, Graham was just really going for it. Eh? Yeah, he, <laughs> second gear. I think he did like ninth place and then ended up on third overall. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah he was third. It was like pretty impressive. I'd say. Uh, how did you? How did you like Ligaris? Like, because uh, the like you guys were all training for a certain kind of event, and then uh, yeah. COVID sort of strikes uh, uh, it down. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. a bit bumming. Uh, we were all we actually. Myself, Billy, Travis, um, and Manny, we were all in Italy at a guy Alessandro's house. And we had cut river, river beds open and we were training rivers for like the whole week leading up to Ligares just to sort of get yourself in that mode because the Ligares rivers are really, really technical. I've never done Ligares, so I didn't really know what to expect, but just feeding off what they were saying. So, yeah, we were really riding rivers. Those guys got there way earlier than I did. They had been walking the track for about a week. Um checking all the lines out, packing some rocks. And I got there. We actually, me and Travis had a problem with our COVID tests. Uh, we had the wrong COVID tests and we had to fly a day later. And we got there and then the night before the race, um, they canceled the, the main events in the rivers. So it was pretty much like, oh, well, we're all here. Let's just make the most of it. And yeah, quite a different mindset, especially when they scrapped the racing for Nash, for World Championship points. So then it was kind of like, oh, let's just go out and have fun. Like, took the pressure off a bit, and yeah, but unfortunate for the like the factory teams. It doesn't affect them; their budgets are limited. But like my team, I can see you know the Italian. It's a family team, and for them to go all the way out to Portugal and have the event scrapped for points is a bit. Uh, it's quite hard for them to swallow. So yeah, but it's it's not the event organizers' fault. It was sort of the government that stepped in and. Yeah, it was real, real bumming, but uh, we had a pretty good time. I actually went surfing afterwards while I was in Portugal. I was like, you know what? We've come all the way here. We were meant to go back and start training for the next event. And everyone was like, had a bit of a down mood. It was Manny's like best mate's birthday that week. And Manny's, Manny uh, just said, he's like, hey, man, I'm going surfing in Portugal. This what, like, what are you doing this week? And I was like, oh, I'm meant to be going back to do some training, but after this has been scrapped, like I don't think we're going to do it anymore. So he's like, oh, pull in. And we went to some surfing village and did a week surfing in Portugal, which was so sick. That's crazy. So that made up for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, were they, how big were the waves? Cause I know there's a, a few spots there where they can be like 40 feet and the rest are like, yeah, yeah we went to Nazare, which is that they have the world's biggest wave. Yeah. We just went to check it out. It was pretty wild. Not like the waves weren't, weren't coming in and set. So it was just like a wild ocean. But we went, it was quite far down south. It's like a little bay called Arifana. And uh, it's literally just a surfing it's like a surfing village. I've never seen anything like it. it. Everyone just lives in vans or pretty much like run down houses. And yeah. 
and they all just like no worries in the world. They they wake up, go and surf. Yeah, literally no worries. I, I you can't believe it. <laughs> it's like it's like it's not real life, eh? Yeah. Um. Yeah. We stayed with uh, some one of the guys who rides there. Um. He owns a, a lodge called the Living Lodge, and um, such a sick sick place, such sick people. Like, could probably definitely get settled in there for a lot longer than a week, like we did. Like, someone has to sort of like, okay, now time to go back to reality. But you can really get really get chilled like chilled out there a lot. So it was really cool. So that so it's a good spot to visit then, I guess, eh? Yeah, good spot to visit, and the waves are good. Eh? Like, like from South Africa, we got really good surfing. Um, I'm not I'm not a like I don't surf all the time, but I do every now and then when I get the chance. We live pretty, we live an hour from the beach. So yeah, when I can, I will, but uh, it would definitely, I'd prefer to have a bit more practice to actually make or take advantage of the waves like you can, because they were pretty big. And most of the time we were just like trying to survive out there, not actually like just taking advantage. So, but had a, such a good time. Man. That's awesome. Just, just coming back in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just coming back in and trying to get back out again. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. So, uh, I guess being, being whatever hard and athlete, uh, sort of opened up Europe to you. You've, uh, managed to go to a number of different locations, very different places with very, very different people. Is there, yeah. is there a race that you look forward to just because of the, the location and the people? Yeah, I would say, um, well, I haven't done too many. So in Europe, I've before, before this year, I've, uh, gone to Romaniacs, gone to Sea to Sky, and 2019, I did Erzberg and, and Hispania. So, yeah, out of those ones, from what I've been to, I would say Hispania is a pretty good one in Spain. Um, when I was there, it was was really sick. Big event, and the finish was in a huge quarry. And just the, the amount of spectators, I think, was pretty similar to Erzberg, but it felt like such a good vibe. I, I really enjoyed Spain. Um, the, the people are very friendly, and I just remember leaving there with such a good sort of taste in my mouth. The guys... Uh, the guys are cool, good food, good, uh, good vibes, like really good restaurants. And, and yeah, everyone seems pretty happy there in Spain. I think I would quite actually happily live in Spain. The nice. seem pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Spain's another one of the ones, uh, nations with a, a great reputation for riders like talent. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're so. very big with trials. I think that's why they, they've so passionate. And that's actually probably why the, the spectators were so, there were so many because they're so passionate with trials. And then there was a world, you know, world, uh, and, hard enduro event there so so all the spectators came out and they were really like you know cheering like crazy nice so do yeah. you feel do you feel um there's a different level of pressure for you now that you've left sort of the south african uh racing scene behind for the fim um so i guess so like for me i don't know i um i sort of take quite a chilled stance with the whole racing thing i mean I always say try to convince myself like the the best the, all you can do is your best you know so I know if uh, I'm gonna go out I'm never gonna not give my all and I'm never gonna and if something happens it's it's that's that's how it is you know you don't plan for mistakes to happen and as long as you're putting in the work then what you can't ever have a a reason to not to not be satisfied and to be disappointed with your result like if you go out to a race you've put in all the training before and you you've really given it your all and you get a bad result well that's it you know just keep going you you couldn't have done anything more so definitely a bit more pressure though coming from south africa because uh, in south africa the level's really high but you know it's not uh, it's not as hard to to be living in europe and you know you're pretty comfortable at home you just cruise out with your family or with your team go and do the race and come back if you do badly it's fine whatever but yeah you you spend a couple of weeks yeah and it's yeah it's hard work being here so you got to make it worth it at the races yeah yeah i guess so like um you're basically like living under the grace of another family sort of so to speak yeah you know with the well, being, flip yeah. i've been so lucky with with this team i mean i really took like a, a a dive into the unknown when i came over here to italy uh these guys they re they, the team name is riga racing and it's a, a family marco riga is the the boss and um, it's a workshop and his son is a mechanic, Andrea, who's my mechanic. And yeah, I'd, I contacted them in the beginning and said, like, pretty much by the time I got to them, I was just emailing people to see if, if I could get any help. Um, I had my contacts, but you know, you never know what's out there. And these guys responded and they said, yeah, like 
let's see what we can do. Let's chat a bit. And they actually phoned some, one of my mates who had written it for them before and said, do you know Matt? Like, what's the story with him? Um, and this guy, good friend of mine, he, he said, yeah, I'll give him a chance, you know. So I came over here. I hadn't met any of them before. hadn't even spoken to any of them over the phone. It was just basically broken English to Italian emails and arrived and have, have been here for like three months. And yeah, what a been really blessed to have such a such a good team who've taken me on. I'm living in their one of their houses here and yeah, basically <laughs> like their second son. That's awesome. Uh, what's the name of the yeah. team? It's called Riga Racing. Rigo Racing. Yeah. So it's like a it's like a workshop. They they develop special parts and work a lot on the engine and that and um, it's quite a, it's quite a well-known team in Italy. They've been going for like 40 years and they've been sort of all around the motorbike scene from super bikes to all motocross and enduro, classic enduro, and all they, and hard enduro. And, um, yeah, that's incredible. Just how good the bike is coming from, uh, South Africa where I was on the factory Husqvarna team, not taking anything away from them, but we had a pretty standard bike with a couple of extra parts. Um, but now coming onto just a team in Italy, it's incredible how, how good the bike is and how much they can change. We did about three weeks of testing when I first got here. And uh, yeah, just the amount of different things, it just opened my mind completely to what you can actually do to the bike. That's great. And so what, what bike are you riding right now? So over here, I'm on a KTM. Well, it's based, It's just a KTM frame. Yeah. Uh, everything the, else yeah. is theirs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything else is theirs. So yeah. That's crazy. KTM 300. And and uh and, and so it, clearly you're enjoying the new bike. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, lots. I mean, in the beginning it was quite a struggle, just just constantly testing things. Not like happy, but can be improved. Or you know, we tried out like four different engines and sort of combos and all. Oh, there's so much you can do. So so much fine tuning and everything. But now with my setup, I'm really really happy. Um, and you, I think you, I can see with my riding and sort of my results have gone from the first Italian extreme I was fifth and then I went fourth and now this weekend go to podium. So That's definitely great. going in the right direction. Um, but yeah, a lot of changes and just getting used to trying to always be at such a high level of riding and, and you know, when everything works so well, it's everything's so much better and, and bigger and yeah. So just trying to keep up with it all. Let's talk suspension, like the suspension on your bike. How do you have it set? Like, uh, um, you're, you're a fairly light rider, clearly. Uh, yeah. so is it, do you keep it, uh, very soft or do you have it like medium? Yeah, well, I guess it just depends sort of on your riding style. Like a lot of the guys have pretty different setups. Like, uh, Travis, it doesn't really matter much in your weight. Of course it plays a bit of a factor, but I was initially running, uh, 4.0 springs in the front, uh, which is really soft. I was actually on 3.8 like three years ago when I was, 65 kgs and now I'm at the moment I'm like 75 depends so here in Italy I've been eating quite a bit of yeah. pasta so like maybe 78 we'll call it that um, and to the book it says you must be on a certain spring rate but it's sort of based on your feeling the better I've gotten with riding and the harder you hit obstacles I guess then you you change your suspension according to what you need if you need your suspension to to handle more and to, to soak up bigger impacts and stuff then you got to go a bit harder so I've gotten a bit harder since I've been in Italy, um, and just you know, you, you ride some crazy things. Yeah, really steep uphills, really steep downhills, and you're hitting things really hard. So you got to find the balance between hot being hard, which can take the big impacts, and then when it's the softer side, you get more traction. So it's sort of yeah, you're playing with that the whole time. And yeah, I'm pretty happy with my setup. And I've never ridden a KTM before, so it took me a while to get used to the the PDS system in the back. I always had the linkage. Husqvarna, so which I do think is better, the linkage, um, suspension-wise, but maybe clearance-wise, the KTM is better. And yeah, it's taken me a while to get used to the back, but we've got a, a good setup. These guys are constantly working. I actually put in a new spring about two weeks ago, or new back suspension. Like the internals was different, and I'm, I really am I'm enjoying it so far. So yeah, it's been good. It's a bit hard to explain, like whether it's fast or you know, but like. For super enduro, you know, you have your suspension pretty hard and pretty fast. Um, but for hard enduro, it's it's the softest you'll ever use this, your suspension is for hard enduro. Yeah, fair. So, yeah. Do, do you find you bottom out a lot or very rarely? Not really because it's just, I think, 
with the we use cone valves and it's quite progressive towards the end so you probably will get really close or possibly do bottom out but it doesn't feel like the suspension just blows through then you you know you've done something wrong if that's happening so yeah 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 so just a little kiss not a bang (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. that's it (laughs) obviously a a big impact you're gonna you always know you got a big big impact but you can't ever you can't do anything about that no absolutely not they're usually they come out of nowhere (laughs) (laughs) all right so um what's your what's your favorite kind of riding then like uh are you 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 favor like hilly terrain or or like lots of rocks and logs kind of stuff well i would say like just the more technical it seems to be surprising like um i was never a trials rider but uh i've recently been riding trials probably for the last five years and um yeah the more technical it is the better i seem to do at the races and the more i seem to like enjoy it uh yeah i really enjoy the technical riding but the like slow speed technical where it's quite finicky and like at Aberstone we had really crazy rock sections and you know you got to focus and pick your lines and be quite smart about your riding so that for me is probably my favorite riding but then again we have like in Romania me and Travis actually went out and did a race in Romania to get ready for Romaniacs called Enduro Panorama and so that wasn't too long ago because I haven't ridden Romania for a couple of years two years now since COVID and yeah it's been so, uh, yeah so the Romanian hills are, are one of a kind. Like they are just so big and, and just so wide open, you know. Posted a video the one time of just the one hill we went up and I was like flat out for almost two minutes, you know. So you don't ever get that sort of riding. The hills aren't so big and open anywhere else where you're in the trees. So, yeah, that's probably, I'd say, one of my favorite favorite terrains to ride in is in Romania. Nice. Yeah. yeah. The, the... Super loamy. The soil's really soft, like it's so good you can that's why it's so so technical because you can just go up such steep things and go down such steep things because the soil's got so much traction and and so uh sort of soft like the wheels dig in um, okay yeah yeah here we have stuff like that we call it chocolate cake <laughs> yeah it's like, uh, <laughs> it's like hero dirt you know yeah, yeah the yeah. good stuff we i mean where i ride it's it's pretty mountainous and yeah. uh one of our local guys went to romania for 2019 and uh he's building a course here he calls the Romaniac Loop. So, okay. Yeah, very Romanian inspired. Because we I have some. Similar... with one of the American guys in Romaniacs, uh, Keith Curtis. Keith Curtis. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm Canadian. I don't know who the. Rom- oh, you're yeah, Canadian. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. The, the better version of North America. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. The friendly version, <laughs> so they'd say. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's good. So, are you, what are your thoughts about this year's Romaniacs? Jeez, I don't know. I think it's going to be, I don't know if you've heard about the whole sleepover thing yeah. on day two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. So um, definitely, I actually, my mom's flying out again. It's quite cool that she can get out. That's amazing. COVID things. And so she's coming out and I just, I was actually chatting to her today, make sure she brings me a good sleeping bag and, and all of that. Because on day two, we, we're sleeping out in the mountains and there's no signal. And they actually sent out a, another email to, to us the other day just to say, all the pros like um they the teams are not going to be able to get to you guys like don't think oh they might come if there's a problem like the teams aren't able to get there so it's going to be really interesting it's really going to be an experience yeah from what i understand it's uh you're on your own you're your own mechanic yeah. your own cook all that kind of stuff so yeah so they, they'll provide food for us and all that it's but it's like you're out there and you have they give you a little box at the beginning of the race. You can put what you need in the box, and that's get that gets sent out to the end of day two. So we get there, we got a little tent uh, and a, a sleeping mattress, and you got to take your own pillows and stuff, and that's all in the box. But yeah, all bike maintenance is is done by yourself and all of that. So it's going to be quite interesting. Definitely a different element. Eh? Do you, Do you have uh, any idea what the weather's going to be like there over the week? Well, at the moment, it's really dry. I was speaking to one of the guys there. Um, it hasn't been raining, but yeah, it's quite hard to, you know, the more mountains it gets, it's quite hard to predict the weather and the forecast isn't so accurate. So Mm-mm. I'm hoping it's going to be dry. I think everyone's hoping it's going to be dry. It almost always rains. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the problem when you're racing for five days, the chances that one of the days is going to be raining with such big mountains is so high, you know? Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe you want to pack a hot water bottle inside that little box if you can fit it in there. 
<laughs> so you can like. I, I, uh, yeah. Well, you... luckily it's summer, so it's not cold, you know. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, I guess la- in 2019 it was a late a late race, so everybody was freezing, like yeah. five degrees yeah, Celsius. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, flip. I've forgotten how hot uh, Europe actually gets in summer. <laughs> it's Africa hot, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it feels like home. <laughs> I'd like to think that you've been training for the heat your whole life, man. Yeah, yeah, we'll be pretty used to it, you know. But like this race this weekend, I promise you, it was like 40 degrees. Everyone was just so cooked on the track. Like the guys, you know, I mean, it was really, really hot. No doubt. Sweating uh, like crazy. How do you guys, like uh, Roof of Africa, like that's a, a pretty crazy race. Like I know for you, it's just you know, the, the race down the street. Uh, yeah. but for us, it's like, uh, you know, it's pretty unheard of, honestly. Um, yeah. like I had a guest, Chris Birch, he went there, I think three years and, and, and one, uh, yeah. the first time by accident. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So funny story. When yeah. Chris came to South Africa, um, I was, I was 10 or 11. I think I was 11 when he first came over, but my best friend's dad, my, my dad's best friend, um, he was the guy, he sponsored Chris to come and live oh. in South Africa for two years. Yeah, yeah. Comsol. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So, so Chris was actually living like 10 minutes away from where I live because um, uh, his house was really close to my best friend. And uh, we did a lot of riding with Chris. My mom was really good friends with Monica, yeah. Chris's wife. And and yeah, so I was like, Chris was my, always, has always been my hero since uh, since been riding. He's actually probably the reason why I really got into racing. He took us to the first the first race, me and Sam, Sam was the other guy. Um, we still best friends and, uh, we went to the first race together and yeah. So it was really cool to see Chris again at the roof. Uh, I hadn't seen him for, for long since he left. Yeah. Um, but yeah, such a, such a good guy. That's crazy. The, yeah. the Anyway, but getting back to roof, uh, yeah. So roof's a pretty big event for us, even in South Africa, you know, it's like the one at the end of the year, Everyone, the South Africans have got uh, a bit of an advantage as to the Europeans. You know, we can go and train in Lesotho. We can ride the, the terrain and the mountains and that. We don't know where the track's going to go, but, you know, we're pretty used to, we can go and set our bikes up according to it and get everything in And then, of course, like a bit of hometown advantage. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's always one where you can go and you want to do well at the roof and you can sort of make a name for yourself. It's, it's the cheapest international event you're going to do. So, um, yeah, it's always been a big one. And, unfortunately the first two years you do it if you're South African you have to ride on a bike smaller than a 254 stroke cc okay so most people opt for the the 150 um which does put you at quite a bit of bit of a disadvantage when you're racing against 300s and two especially at such high altitude yeah um, so no yeah, for me my first two two times was on the 150 and uh i got First race I got twentieth, and second race I got sixth on the one fifty. So I was pretty pretty stoked. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good result, man. And like, yeah, I was pretty happy. So, uh, so you're used to making the engine sing, then, hey? Because they they keep you guys on the little <laughs> little bikes for so yeah, long. It's it's never made like I said, it's never made sense to me why they do that. Uh, I think it's from safety rules from back in the day, racing fast races. They don't want the the younger kids on big bikes going yeah. flat out, but. I think for hard enduro, you know, you have to slow enough speed. It's not going to really change whether you're on a 150 or you're on a 250. Sort of going the same speed. Yeah, yeah. The overall speed is the same. I mean, you can only yeah. go through some stuff so fast. Like, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, but having tor- the torque and, and engine advantage of the 300 uh, for like oh. the hill climbs and things, like yeah, yeah, I yeah. know. So that's why, I, like, I always just try to get overseas as much as I could, and yeah. So that's the roofs are really. It's a wild event, you know. Like when we go and do training. Like, uh, <laughs> the one time we were actually out training for the roof, I was like, uh, must have been 16, around about that age. And um, we was a, there was a group of about seven of us. We got out, we had this long GPS loop set, um, probably expected time, six, seven hours. We get back, uh, there's still guys, you know, they expected to come in. Eventually it gets dark. We don't know where these guys are. They, the mountains are so big, there's no, like, signal in a lot of places, so... Anyway, these guys are out. We try to look for them. We go backtrack on the track, but until it gets about like 11 o'clock and sort of just called it a day, we're like, oh, these guys would have made a plan. Um, <laughs> then in the morning, still nothing. Eventually, like uh, close to lunchtime, the two guys pull in and they, they had to sleep out in the mountains. They found a, a hut in the mountains, one of the locals, and 
went and slept with them and yeah, luckily it was summer, so it wasn't so cold. But it's really wild out there. Like I think that ran out of fuel, that was a problem. Oh. But um such a beautiful country. All the guys that go there, they just can't believe how wild and how beautiful it is. Like the mountains are insane. Yeah, um locally we have uh whatever, it's very wildernessy here, like live in the mountains. And yeah. uh, we have a lot of tourism and uh our wild animals include grizzly bears, black bears. <laughs> and things like that. So what uh, what's the local animals that you guys have that uh, you find tourists want to see but really should just leave alone? Yeah, well, luckily, uh, people perceive Africa as, you know, your friend, like you walk and you check a lion cruising down the street or all that, but it's not quite like that. We, uh, the grizzlies and that, I know they are pretty wild like that. Even here in Romania and that, say, the, the bears are, are out there. But in South Africa and Lesotho, if you're in the wild, you're pretty safe. Um, I don't think you're going to run into anything too dangerous. Maybe if there's like sort of the, the northern parts of South Africa, then you'll get into some hippos and some crocodiles at the in the rivers and, and the dams. But otherwise, yeah, there's not, not too bad. The worst part is actually the snakes and the spiders and, you know, those the small things that you don't see coming because they, they, they're really common and a lot of them, majority of them are really poisonous and really dangerous, like, you're in trouble if you get bitten. So, yeah. Otherwise, the big animals, you're pretty sorted. Obviously, we have lions, leopards, all of those, like, elephants. and But they're pretty much in the game parks. And I think they've all, if there were any wild ones, they will be hunted pretty soon. So you should be pretty safe. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, our our bears, locally, the, the grizzly bear can't be hunted. There's a moratorium. So the they're doing very well, like... um reproductively like the national okay. average is four percent uh locally yeah. we have eight percent so they're twice the the birth rate but uh <laughs> yeah oh well um all right buddy well we're at about an hour here so um i'll uh i'll, I'll wrap this up but uh before i do do you want to give a shout out to anybody like your sponsors or something like that yeah well i guess i pretty much spoke about my sponsors um, yeah. a bit before but yeah just really emphasize on how grateful I am for them, you know, like for, for us coming from South Africa, we can't do it without help. And unfortunately, a lot of the time we can't, or like I can't justify the amount of help that they, that they give me with my results as, as of yet. So yeah, I'm really grateful. And I, I do think that's the guys appreciate um, a bit of thanks and all that. Um, but yeah, Stoked I could stoked I can come out here and all that. And obviously also my family that's helped me out quite a bit. Yeah. Sweet. Nice, yeah. All right, I'll wrap Taking that it there. Easy. Enjoying it. Well that brings us to the end of another episode. I want to thank my guests for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. A special thank you to you, my supporters. Without you, this would not be possible. If you enjoyed the show, give it a five-star rating. And if you haven't already, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. If this is your first time listening, I encourage you to take the three-episode challenge. Once again, thank you for your continued support, and stay tuned to find out what's coming up next time.